Around the NFL Podcast. No, you're going to like it in their city. Our city, our adopted city of Los Angeles, will be the host of the Wrestling Bowl. Welcome to the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm in the studio, the stage really, stage five here at NFL Network, filled with some heroes, Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal, Championship Sunday is in the books, and yes, somehow, some way, the football gods, whoever's out there, deemed it necessary that this year would be the one where the Cincinnati Bengals come out of nowhere and advance to the Super Bowl to face none other than the Los Angeles Rams. The Bengals, Mark, Chris Wessling's boyhood team, the man that he had such a difficult relationship with ending with a divorce and a dossier and now he's no longer with us and we're wondering how Wes would feel and then Lakeisha his loyal wife that amazing woman who is a diehard Rams fan those two teams are playing for the Lombardi trophy two weeks from tonight I cannot think of anything that has happened during our podcast that comes anywhere close to these events I've been watching football since 1986 this is the most interesting development I can remember in my entire life. I'm a Browns fan who is, you know, and, and a lot of people in Cleveland, Bengals fans wouldn't be rooting for the Browns. Forget all that. This is from somewhere completely different, um, a totally different realm. And just watching Lakeisha's um, reactions today on Twitter, on social media, and just to have it capped with a Rams win as well. I mean, this is one of the most improbable sporting conclusions to, uh, to, to pre-Super Bowl any, and any sport, I'm dumbfounded. I'm still processing the right. whole thing. Right. To be clear, it's like it's the Lakeisha Wesseling Super Bowl. You know, the Wesseling brothers, they, they got the Bengals. They got no ties for the Rams. La- Lakeisha travels with the Rams, diehard St. Louis Rams fans, moves out here the same time that they do uh, and lives and dies by them. But I don't know if she was rooting any harder at the stadium for that Rams game than she was um at her house where we watched uh, the Bengals pull that game off. And it's just like sport. Yeah, sports are – they're they're stupid sort of, but it's hard not to think of like Wes's um, talk where he would be like, you have to – you have to resign yourself about the what the ultimate meaninglessness is of like watching sports and watching which way a, an oblong ball – bounces and yet like it creates moments like that like that was an overwhelming uh moment and it it almost took a little while during that nfc championship game to like get cranking back up because you're just you're just feeling a lot you're feeling a lot watching that thing go through and 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 it's great to see keisha especially living that moment oh it's so great and yeah like we you know knew west so well so when everyone is celebrating the fact that cincinnati's on this improbable run um, you wonder how Wes felt, but Lakeisha has obviously the way she she sees it is like that is Wes like still with us and connected to her and connected to us, them going on this incredible run. So, you know, yeah, and we'll get into the game, but I do with since we're talking this now, like she brought out the sage. I I feel like she saged the Bengals. Into, the sage came out. You know, you you talk about I was unable to make it today. So speaking what something into. Com- into uh, existence, which Keisha believes in that too, but she saged this into existence. She brought out the sage at 14-3, 
was not looking good <laughs> at that moment for the Bengals. At various points when it also wasn't looking good in the second half, she would she brought in, out the sage, and that sage was just cranking um, tor- towards the end of the She's game. She's like a Stevie Nicks figure for the 21st century. I'm, <laughs> I'm way into her witch-like qualities. Now. I mean, I, the city of Cincinnati, there's a lot of homes and mansions. I think you just give her a mansion at this point. I mean, she <laughs> ushered – this long lost team into the Super Bowl. Right. T- Tony Reale had this had this tweet last week, the host of a uh, around the horn, and it was at the two minute warning of the Bills Chiefs game. But I was thinking about it as they were lining up for that kick at, in the Bengals game, and he just tweeted out while they were at the commercial break, like, "Let's all live in this moment forever," and that was <laughs> like, like that sports to me is like there was that one moment in that in that Bengals game where you're just, you don't know what's going to happen next. And everything that you've watched all season has led to this. And you're just like totally pure being existence. And when you got kick fierce on your side, he comes through and delivers. Unbelievable. And you know, we'll get into it. Like I had a chance to lock up the uh, lock title and I'm in an all time fade, but I'll tell you what, like, how could I be rooting against Cincinnati during that comeback? I wasn't, it was like, okay, that'd be cool if I have the trophy, but this is even better than for the Rams to win, too. It's, it's a really I think it's a really in what's been a tremendously difficult couple of years um, behind the scenes for our show. Uh, just doing the show uh, in general has been a, a challenge at times and just finding our footing for this to be the outcome of the first full season after we lost Wes. I don't know. It just, you know, you can't you can't make it up. It's it's the stuff of movies and we get one more game to determine uh, a champion. So. We're going to go through um, both games. We'll start uh, with what happened at Arrowhead Field. And just from a pure game, there is all this stuff that's all personal to us. But just from a pure game standpoint, that was one of the more mystifying games I can remember about how things can change in an instant. Um, so let's, let's get into it. Let's head to Arrowhead Field and break down the AFC Championship game. Snap to Mahomes, rolls the shoulder, now in trouble. Now moving to his left, back to his right. Wiley gives him a block to try to keep him alive. Now he fires late for the end zone, caught! Right side, Kelsey on the touchdown! Kansas City! Burrow back to throw, short pass, caught by Pirine. Pirine down to the 30, sideline, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Bengals! Shotgun snap to Burrow, throws it into the end zone for Chase. He leaps, he's got it! 24-21 Cincinnati. Placement is down. Butker's kick is good. And we are going to overtime. And now the Bengals will turn to the rookie kicker, Evan McPherson. Four years ago, he was a senior in high school in tiny Fort Payne, Alabama. Now the Bengals' Super Bowl chances rest on his right foot. The kick is up. (laughs) Good. Coffin nails. Bam. Bam. It is no fluke. It is a fact. The Cincinnati Bengals are headed to Super Bowl 56. Oh, Ricky, you went supersized on us, and I love it. Oh, and the Pongos are out. Dan Horde, Dave Lapham, KCKY, WCKY also. That was Mitch Holtis on Chiefs Radio. Unbelievable. Best bongo game ever. Ooh, day! Evan McPherson. McFearless. Kicked a 31-yard field goal, 9.22 left in overtime. 
after the Cincinnati Bengals wiped up the biggest deficit in championship game history on the road at Arrowhead. 27-24, Cincinnati. By the way, 3-0 all-time in AFC championship games. Advanced to the <laughs> Super Bowl where they will attempt to win their first Lombardi trophy, sending the Chiefs home in stunning, stunning fashion. And uh, to the point that I was making just minutes ago, uh, Greg, this game obviously turns in a way no one can imagine. Kansas City comes out of the gate like they, you know, were just picked up where they left off against the Bills. Going up and down the field, they get ahead 21-3. They give up touchdown. It's 21-10, but they march in the final minute of the, of the half. And then Patrick Mahomes begins what – for me, turned into about a 90-minute meltdown, which I could have never predicted. One of the more surprising things, like we talked about last week, the um, the nature of the game, the Chiefs-Bills game, I thought it was the best game of the ATN era. One of the more mystifying things I could ever remember is what happened to Mahomes from that final pass of the first half, short of the goal line, tackled, they go into the half with zero points, leads to the momentum building for Cincinnati, they get back into the game and obviously come back to win it. But the Chiefs and the Mahomes meltdown on offense after being unstoppable early in the game, I how do you make sense of it? I'm glad you started there in the last two plays of the first half. First and goal, Cincinnati one-yard line, nine seconds left for the Chiefs. At that point, they're up 21-10. We can get into the Bengals' drive before that later, which was an important drive. He, he has an incompletion left. At that point, there's five seconds left, and they decide to run another play, which I think makes sense. You can easily get get another play, and if not, you you get three, and Mahomes fritz out. And he, he said after the game he knew the situation, although he did try to make a timeout. It, it almost felt like that Tom Brady moment where he thought there was an extra down and he didn't know the timeout situation, and he just wasn't cool. He, he wasn't. In the moment, he, he fritzed out and he throws it to Hill in the flat, and that is just an incredible mistake. But it's still 21-10. to 10. And you're getting the ball at half. And you're getting the ball in the second half. But they didn't the, – the Chiefs never returned. In the, in the eight drives starting at the end of that, you know, in the second half, they went for 83 yards – <laughs> it's just, it's just hard to believe. In the seven drives in the second half in overtime, they go for 83 yards. They have more than one first down one time. He throws two interceptions. They get three points. It's like that. It's just hard to believe that they went three and out four separate times, including in overtime, uh, and you had one first down in the other ones. It's insane. And they asked Andy Reid, what, what did you notice that the Bengals did differently in the second half defensively? He said, they played a little bit more man coverage, but they didn't make any major adjustments. I thought it was the rare example of Patrick Mahomes with the events you just described that unfolded before the half that got into his head. I, I thought that he was pressing in the second half, too. It was interesting as I was watching the raw feed, and Romo was sort of screaming at the production team, get me, get me a clip of what Mahomes' eyes and what his face were doing after that meltdown before the half because he wanted to see if he could notice a visual... Mm difference and I, I think that this was Mahomes kind of crumbling I mean Tyreek Hill vanished in the second half and the Bengals are this team that's been this, on this journey for week after week that if you let them back in because their offense has not been closing drives they're imperfect too 
this just became their game. And it's just one of the more peculiar things we've seen because the Chiefs have been on such a hot roll, obviously. But it harks back to the quizzical performance on their offense earlier on in the year. We kind of got both Chiefs teams today. Yeah, and if you look at the splits of going back to the Week 17 uh, Chiefs-Bengals game, Mahomes and the offense disappeared in that game as well. But this was different, and I think, well, that's one of the great things about sports and the more mystifying things about sports. I keep on using that word because that's the only thing that I could – the word that I, that best that kind of describes day. how I – I'm trying to make sense of that because Mahomes was really at his very best, the best we've ever seen him throughout that Bills game, throughout the first, you know, two quarters of this game. And he was on tilt. And, like, if you ask me who in the league do I have to never worry about going on tilt in a big spot, Brady's going to be number one. But Mahomes would have been number two. Mm. And you have to give credit to Lou Anarumo and the Bengals staff because obviously there were adjustments that were made. But I'm just wondering how you process that. Because even look, even look, Greg, like we can get into that the final series of regulation. Right. I think if you can kind of combine those two series, that really tells you a great story. They have a first and goal. And you're you're figuring, okay, they, they nearly gave this away, but they're whittling the clock down. They're gonna they're gonna execute here, score the touchdown with 24 seconds left or whatever, and get out of there with the win. But the mm. plays, taking the sacks, and then the last sack that led to the fumble. It's like, man, he just took a 14 yard sack or whatever it was, and fumbled in the biggest moment of the season. It's like this is Patrick Mahomes. I, I still can't believe it. I it, can't believe it. it. That was a great play by Sam Hubbard, and it could have been the play that Bengals fans remembered for the rest of their lives if, if the ball bounces a little different and the Bengals fall on that. But you're right. They had first and goal at the five-yard line with a minute 30 to go. They're trailing by three at that time. At that point, they were on the only decent drive that they had in all of the second half or, or overtime. Uh, and they were trying to get – the Bengals to get rid of their timeout. So they, they run it on first down, which I think totally made sense. See see if you can get in. If not, you, you force the Bengals to take their timeout. Now there's 126 left. And, and I do wonder if the talk with Mahomes on the sideline was like, don't throw an incompletion. Right. You know, do not let do not stop the clock here. You know, if you have to take a sack, you, you take it. And it was really a story in the second half, I thought, okay, maybe they didn't adjust too much. I thought I, I read some and, and saw some that they played a little more man coverage. If you ever want um, like the vindication of just rushing three, this was it because th- this second half of this game, it was a whole lot of rushing three, dropping eight into coverage and tackling better. The Bengals did playing coverage better. Uh, but then you get to the spot. Yeah. Where it, he, he takes a sack to back up five yards. Again, that's Hubbard. I mean, so those are ma- two massive plays by Hubbard in a row. They, they take the timeout again. And you're right. He just was kind of running around lost. You have to give credit. But a, a lot of it, I, I think, was just like the situation being too much, like trying to figure out what the situational football of it all, all was instead of just going and trying to score a touchdown. But that's what's so atypical about it because this offense has been together for years at the highest mountaintops of the NFL. And for them suddenly to enter into a state of confusion is, to your point, it's just totally mystifying. There is, no, I mean, sometimes things just happen and there isn't all a logical explanation for it in the NFL. And this is one of those times for me. It, it's like, something where we need like someone who's, who gets the all 22 and watches. Cause I'm just curious, like what Mahomes was looking at in a lot of these plays, he held the ball so long for all the second half. So you have to give a lot of credit to the Bengals secondary, but it also, was he being too cautious? Like we'll, we'll have well, to look. And then you go to, after that meltdown, 
in the red zone and Butker bailed you out. It wasn't a hard kick, but it went from being either a touchdown to, you know, 20-yard field goal. to Now he's kicking from 45, uh, and he splits the uprights. Butker's a great kicker. You go to overtime, they win the coin toss after all the, the talk that we've heard all week about how overtime's not fair. And he nearly throws a pick six that Eli Apple drops. Oh, that, I mean, that talk about another play that would have been And then been two plays later, he throws another one up for grabs, trying to force it to Tyreek Hill, who went invisible in the second half of this game, gets intercepted. And that is – and the, the Bengals are an incredible story, and I, I can't wait to watch them, and I hope they win the Super Bowl. Um, but I'll always remember Mahomes and the offense short-circuiting. That's, to me, the thing that I'll – that is the thing that's great about sports, but also will drive you crazy because you think you have things figured out, and then something like this happens. The moment can get anyone, and I think it got Mahomes. Well, and I also think about Kansas City's defense after the Von Bell interception where it was like, you know, you you have a chance to squelch the Bengals as well, and Joe Mixon, who is not, you know, necessarily thrived on the ground in the playoffs at all, ran through them over and over and over, and it's just like they seem to me – They've seemed like ghosts at the end of this game, the Chiefs. Mm. Like, yeah, they 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 won the coin toss and and they go crazy and the Chiefs Twitter account says like we won the coin Did toss you see and Josh there's Allen's tweet? It, no, I didn't. What was it, Ricky? It was right when the coin toss happened and he called heads and it was tails. Josh Allen tweeted pain, period. <laughs> yeah. But the, like brilliant. And like they Sad. they were they won the coin toss and there was like, oh my god, here we go again. And I was thinking they've just had eight straight drives right. where they haven't had a touchdown. They just had seven where th- where they had three points, a- and especially that the end sequence. I mean, this. I think the Bengals defense has to get a, a lot of credit. Hendrickson was getting some pressure on him. He was in and out with with injuries. Uh, Hubbard, like I said, played well. But this has been a veteran defense. Awuzie was one of the biggest free agent signings of the offseason. Von Bell, Jesse Bates is the one who ends up breaking up the pass in overtime that turns into the interception that, that Bell gets. He's an all-pro type of player. Uh, and even Eli Apple, um, I'm, I was happy for him because my immediate thought when he dropped that pass was if Chris was here, if Wes was here, he would be talking about the play he talked about more than any other a, as a Bengals fan. Yep. The Lewis Billups play, dropping the pass in the in the end zone. But this time, it didn't come back to, to bite them. Well, and in that game, that Super Bowl, Montana throws the game-winning touchdown right after. So it's like you're looking at the lost opportunity by the, by the Bengals. This time around, they did it. I mean, I think I just – I spent most of this game thinking that Cincy's offense, too, lacked the aggressiveness to come into this thing and just have – put it all out there and for much of the game until like the second half really got cooking they seemed real tight I mean at one point deep into the second quarter Burrow had 28 yards and five straight incompletions which was not typical Joe Burrow business yeah he was six for 13 at one point yeah go ahead all right boys hold it right there let's take a quick break we'll be right back and we're back no, it was six, and you know he turned it on with the rest of the Bengals and now he's the you know the hero of this team and the guy that is wearing a diamond chain and saying, I, wait, I make way too much money for my diamonds not to be real. I mean, this man is feeling himself. He was, after the game, he, he talked about being an Ohio kid, uh, now taking the Bengals to the Super Bowl. That's something I'm really proud of, being from Ohio, being the quarterback of the Bengals. I, it's two and a half hours from my hometown. This is something I've always wanted, playing the Super Bowl, and I couldn't be with a better group of guys. And we did see um, Mike Brown also 
on the riser and uh you know we're talking about and are we texting about like you know where where is west coming down when he's watching uh this uh situation and the westing brothers we were texting with them uh and greg i thought you summed it up well that he would have been feeling the moment until that happened maybe <laughs> exactly does, does mike brown, it's funny like does mike brown get credit for anything here or is it like the whole angle and like it's all a lot of it is just good fortune bad fortune they had the worst record when Joe Burrow showed up as the number one overall pick. Like, how much is connected directly to just lucking into that? And then, you know, you do a nice job building around him and things come together faster than normal. But as an organization, like, we had um, Paul Daynard? Yeah. On, uh, from The Athletic, and he, he explained some changes they were making behind the scenes to try to get more up to the times. And certainly it seems like they whatever they did, has worked because they seem very set up now moving forward with Burrow. I mean, if anything with Mike Brown, he's been he's given say, power, and influence to other people. And like, yes. if you go back even to that 2015 team, you could look and say they're the best roster in the AFC. It's like they well, I think some of the stuff that Wes wrote that massive and collected that massive folder about was the fact that they were zigging in the wrong way when everyone else was zagging. They had no scouting department. They didn't spend money in free agency. All that's changed. And I just I hmm. we don't know what Wes would think, but the one thing I am sure of is that Joe Burrow changes everything for the Bengals historically going forward for the next fifteen plus years. And he I I would struggle to think he wouldn't be totally enamored with the club that we've watched over the last couple weeks. Absolutely. You reminded me of 2015 when Wes was really into Duke Tobin. I don't know if you remember. He, he wrote a whole <laughs> piece about Duke Tobin. He actually went and asked Duke Tobin questions at the Combine, which Wes, was, which that. Wes was loath to do. And I, I think that's a really good point, that Mike Brown has changed the style of their ownership in that I think he's let guys like Duke Tobin be a real GM, even though he doesn't have the title, I don't believe. Uh, be a real GM. Um, his, his daughter, Katie Blackburn, who who's actually has a lot of respect, you know, within the NFL and the organization, kind kind of run the organization her way. Um, and and you saw so many of those players step up today, and you saw their drafting step up. I mean, not just Jamar Chase, but I want to go through sort of how they come back, came back at some point. But one one catch that really stands out to me is the Higgins catch. In overtime, his his arms are getting raked on that play. They weren't calling anything in this game. Defensive backs could maim the opposing receivers, and they did to Higgins right on a potential touchdown in the first half, which which the Bengals were not happy with. And Higgins, who had six for 103, I thought that was a theme today. Higgins and OBJ, the wide receiver too, showing, man, if you have two guys on the outside, it is so tough to stop. And this was a Higgins day, and that catch in overtime was very difficult and really was the key play in in that winning drive before Mixon uh, got a couple big runs. Where do you go from here if you're the Chiefs? That's something – that's a tough loss. That is a, that's one that will stick to the ribs, just like we talked about the Packers' loss last week. Um, they now – you know, they had that game in their back pocket at 21-3, and I, that's that's unbelievable, I mean, the turn can, of events the, the tweets and the, like, just the feeling of that game, like – don't you think the Chiefs felt like they were going to the Super Bowl? That they, there wasn't even. I, I think a, they a took their foot their off mind. the gas. I think like, everybody felt yeah. that way, right? It just seemed like okay, this is this was one. We talked about it on the network show. Like this felt like a close game. The Bengals could steal it potentially, but also there was a there was a possibility this was like a 42-24 game just because the way Kansas City looked, they could run the Bengals out of that building, and and it didn't work out that way. Obviously, um, 
any other thoughts about uh, the comeback or anything? The one thing that happened early to Kansas City, and they got into that, you know, the time issue at the end of the first half was when Andy Reid challenged a play. He got they got the challenge, but he took a timeout beforehand, and it stripped them of an early timeout that ended up costing them. I mm. mean, you know, it's like Andy Reid used to get tagged with this time management thing all the time. He's escaped a lot of that because he has a one of the best quarterbacks we've ever watched. But to your point about the where we thought the Chiefs would be at this point compared to where they were, it reminds me a lot of the 2010 Packers where you have Aaron Rodgers, the sky's the limit, they never get back there to win, they never win another title, and it just shows you how elusive it is because now Kansas City goes into an offseason having swallowed an evil pill. Well, there's some scarring on this team now. You had the Super Bowl last year where Mahomes got abused and physically wrecked, and then you have this game which is something to, to collapse, a historic collapse, uh, biggest um, blown lead ever in the championship. Sunday, there is just this level of invincibility that Mahomes had in those initial seasons that now they, they don't quite feel that way. Now a team's gone again into Arrowhead in the AFC title game, and, and now you have Burrow and the Bengals saying, listen, this is not your conference anymore. This is, this is our mm-hmm. time, and it snuck up on everybody because look where – where everyone was picking Cincinnati before the season. Look where they were at the beginning of the season on my power rankings. Like, this was a team that was not ready or supposed to be making this jump, and yet they have. Look where they were when I, you know, I, you know, I backed off this a little bit and pronounced <laughs> that they were going to take over the conference you, back in, like, November. And I, it's like, you know. I went, to, I went to see the NFL.com midseason predictions, and no one at the entire NFL.com media group out of 30 people had the Bengals in the playoffs at midseason. <laughs> Not one person had them even as a wild card team then, which it actually is disrespect. They probably were five and four then. I think it was coming off their two game losing there streak, you go. so it was a weird timing. Um, but not one person even had them in the playoffs at at that point. The, the Mahomes thing. Mark, speak on it. Yeah. Oh yeah, you didn't then. Yeah. I was drifting, looking <laughs> yeah. at my notes. What, what's what's happening? Wait, you didn't even have them in the playoffs <laughs> the midseason. Well, no. I mean, I would say I my my directive would be there's probably fifty five people that make those predictions. Fire all of them and well, start over with an entirely oh, yeah. new collection of individuals. <laughs> you, you do feel for for Andy Reid, who has man, he has taken some tough losses over the years, especially in the uh, conference championship weekend. And look, not everything's about the Patriots, but I, I do think. These sort of games do remind you how just brutal, how impossible it is for what they accomplished, like how tough that will be to repeat, even when you have Patrick Mahomes. Because they have hosted four straight AFC championships. Like that is so Patriots. Like that's like this other level that even ahead of where the Packers are at of like, can you get the one or two seed every year? Like that's like the highest almost level you could reach. And the Chiefs are even above that. But even on another level above that, you have to actually like finish each one of these games out and get through the gauntlet. And that it's like, man, that's tough to do year after year. 21 to three with 218 left in the second quarter and the Bengals got the ball. And you mentioned how um, they weren't aggressive all day and that was driving me crazy. They weren't throwing on first down. They were running a ton. They, they had a play action pass on the first play of that drive for a big gainer up the field can't remember who it was to either Boyd or, or a tight end got that drive going and ended up scoring later. And then they, they did settle in and get a little more aggressive. But the thing that to me was just in the comeback, most important about Burrow was he wasn't going down. Like he only got sacked one time in this game mm-hmm. and his legs. And he said this after the game in an interview with Ross Tucker, actually, I, I was listening to on the way in 
that that some people, you know, dismiss my legs. Like they don't think I can run, and they ended up spying me a little bit towards the end of that game, and that really was the difference Big in some of these yeah. field goal drives. The, especially the play. I mean, this is when you started to feel like the football gods are operating on a different level here. When he evaded Chris Jones twice on that one play, that there, I mean, the, they showed Chris Jones up close after, and you could just see he knew that that thing had slipped away. Can I read one absurd tweet that came out of sure. Kansas City after this? Um, KMBC, I'm assuming that's a, it's a television station. This was their tweet after the Chiefs melted. Um, in all caps, against all odds, colon, <laughs> We were never supposed to be here. We were never meant to make it this far. But against all odds, we did. What a season. Thank you for the incredible ride. We will always be Chiefs Kingdom. <laughs> Wait a minute. Excuse me, but every single sentient human being ab- above toddler level assumed that they would be here. You just have to look and at what, it this way. Mean, and it's a news organization saying we, which that, is kind of funny Just a, utterly bizarre. <laughs> that tweet makes more sense if you imagine an idiot wrote it. Well, that's that. That's not who I admire well, they, in that position. Chiefs but, yeah. fans got into this thing of like everyone discounted us and everyone gave up on us. And like, why does why is that the thing that that gets you going right. and like fires you? Because that's true. Uh, some people did, but like not many. I when what? I went back to look at that midseason thing, for instance, everyone still had them what? winning the division and had and many. More people than not had them go to the Super Bowl. Weren't we just simply saying we expect them to be nearly perfect, and they played a nearly perfect first half up until that crumbling here. We don't. Yeah, yeah. it was it was a ludicrous tweet, but I'm glad it went (laughs) viral. Boys, would you like to step behind the velvet ropes? Because I think there's one other figure we need to discuss. Okay, sure. In the non-Justin Tucker category. I can't remember ever seeing a kicker more locked in than the rookie fifth rounder, Evan McPherson. Mm. He went four for four again today. He went four for four last week. He went four for four the week before that. He is 12 for 12 in the playoffs. Every week has had a 50-yarder. Massive 50-yard bomb in this game as well. And that is, he is a legitimate, again, don't sleep on this, weapon two weeks from Sunday across the street because he is not that I ever get behind Jay Feely's analysis on CBS telecast but he made a point that carries across anything else he has no battle scars on him he doesn't know anything but success and you can tell that's just flowing through him he's been unbelievable for them I was like he kicked a 52 it was a 52 yarder to take the lead in the fourth quarter right. of the AFC championship like it was nothing. and I I had no no worry at all forget the 31 yarder to win it like of course that one's going in no concern at all it changes how they play offense because that was part of the comeback was picking up three points in a couple in in a handful of spots they only had one touchdown actually during the during the second half and that's why the Burrow Brady thing, and I and I did feel like early in this week they're gonna win this game somehow. I don't know how they're gonna win this game, and in the Bur- Burrow Brady thing, there it, it's maybe forced, but there are little things that I think winning plays, not just like the the running and stuff, like but avoiding the sacks and making the smart decisions at the smart moments, and like that's where the luck is. That's well, like, you if you want to call it luck, that's where you, the luck. I, is. I just you you look at you look into the face, into the visage, and like it's like he's so he's so unflappable. I mean, it's like you're the same way that Tony Romo is, had run out of um, verbal concepts to describe Mahomes, and it's you know all the stuff he does. 
You're going to get there with Burrow. I mean, they have Burrow and the new Justin Tucker. Who would have you would have bet houses in the opposite direction that the entire division would be looking up at the yeah. Bengals forever, and that's where they are right can now. Can we can we talk Tony Romo? Yeah, I because do have a couple other I, little things we got. I know you do. Here. I know you. I know you do, Greg. But <laughs> this this Tony Romo telecast coming off last week where I sang his praises and I thought he had an excellent Bills Chiefs game. He was not at his best in this game, and he had his biggest flub uh, to me since he's been doing uh, television uh, when it was the last possession of regulation and the Chiefs are knocking on the door. It's first and goal from the nine. And he begins to tell the audience, this is our conduit, this is our expert, our former player. He's telling the audience, should Cincinnati, even though they have a three-point lead, let the Chiefs score a touchdown – so they will have enough time to get the ball back. It's like, bro, this game, you're winning this game. You don't want to give up a touchdown to go behind so you have 47 seconds. That was – I couldn't believe he was saying that. It's almost like he didn't know the score. That was an insane thing for Romo to say. In a normal game, you know, you knew where he was going. Like if it was a, a, a the first Bengals-Chiefs game and it was just all offense back and forth, but that's – even then, you you can't think that way because there's there's Malcolm Butler. There's like too many times of doing exactly what the Bengals did. And in then that he moment. was there was a, a red challenge flag, or and he was thinking that they should challenge an illegal procedure like lining up the wrong way, which you can't challenge either. It was well, just he like, got ca- he got caught not knowing the nuance on that one. Like you you can't challenge. Right. Part of his job too. He, it's, no, it, it was course, a bad game. He was, was game thinking like the worst possible scenario was giving up a touchdown with 20 seconds left or whatever it was going to be, which which would have been. But, he, you know, the best possible scenario is Sam Hubbard forces a fumble on Patrick Mahomes, which is exactly what right. happened. And you, what, you got to give your guys a every, chance to go do that. But you, yeah, you can't even you can't even float that as a theory when Cincinnati has like seven consecutive stops on defense, basically, before that drive. You can't be like, give up the touchdown right. to fall behind in the AFC title game in the last 41 seconds. Right, they were owned. I mean, the, the drives were 16 yards, 17 yards, 7 yards, negative 2 yards, negative 4 yards, and then they had the 3 and out and over. Stunning. It, it is crazy. Um, I do just want to remind you that th- despite it looking dry uh, on camera today, the rain was out in Cincinnati. We're on an 8-2 heater. The Rainmaker, forget plus 7. I should have gone money line and locked it up like uh, Mark Sessler, but it all works out anyways. They won it. Ooh. They won it. Does it get you a little uncomfortable, Mark, when Greg gets this giddy? Sometimes oh, it's yeah. like uh, a oh, yeah, energy. It's Greg's materialism that gets on my radar no. just, just a bit. By the way, the Rainmaker's coming back out. Grab that early Bengals plus 4 line for the the Super Bowl because we're riding the Bengals to right. the end. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that, line, this. that line might change. And and let me, I have an announcement to make. I'm going to call my own press conference. Um, I am in the midst of a collapse in the locks competition. Listen, I have no, I have no regrets about my strategy here in the playoffs. The strategy was get behind the best quarterbacks and the superior teams. And I thought that I was doing that and yet Aaron Rodgers and the Packers let me down, and then Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs let me down. And I will tell you this, Mark, and this is a show of respect to not just you, but the game. We will not have a tie. We will not have a tie. And I think Hmm. given the nature of my picks here, I'm going to seed, you know, the prediction. I want you to pick the team you want to win the Super Bowl or think they will. I will go the other way. 
and I we like will that. find out who wins the title. If I'm going to collapse, I want to collapse into a tie. I want to either somehow survive, like the Rams did last weekend in Tampa, or go down in infamy. I th- I'd like and it. I think it's I a think, great sign and well, a great I, and show I think of character I, know, I think I know who Mark Sessler's picking, and maybe just for luck's sake, uh, we should keep it that way because you've gone against the Bengals, Dan, all three weeks here. So just f- for the luck of it, all. well, I, I in, have to in, go in, wherever Mark goes. I have to go the other way. That was really admirable of you. Thank you very actually. much. That seems like crazy. Really it mature. seems crazy though. I'm like waiting for the kicker. Like I'm waiting for him to be like, psych. Well, I no. think the kicker was it, that that entire speech was to set up Dan as a highly noble figure. <laughs> I mean, I, I will. I'm only in this position because I had a four game skid. Prior to your skid, so it's forced us. But to it seems a crazy, way. don't you want to fully root for the Bengals in the Super Bowl? You know. Well, but Greg, like that—that that we're saving that for later in the week. That's wow. how you—you know—it's called a tease. You Spoiler. build drama. You build Spoiler. drama to some degree. Major tease. Spoiler. Um, but a wh- lot of people are coming at at you, Dan. Also, and it's like, listen, we we've been doing this thing for years, and it's like we're not like at each other's throats over this. Like it's it's going to go down in, in proper fashion. We no, tied like, one other time. That was like five weeks ago, one Sunday show. There was one. Right, there, there was. I yes, have been annoyed, was. but I was annoyed with my own epic failure. I'm feeling pretty good right now. I had a gash across my throat one Sunday night, as I recall. Well, there's, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot to be said to take this thing. But the pack, I, you know. Listen, the Packers, they, they got me mad last week because that was a gag job. The Cincinnati Bengals uh, – Coming back in Arrowhead, I could live with that. I'll take that L. Mm. And I, by the way, my other pick for this this uh, weekend was the Niners. So again, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Right now, I'm on like one. I'm on a cold streak as you were uh, in December. And so. th- to that point, like I like I wrote down something to myself that I stopped asking for anything mm. from the NFL, and it started to give me a lot of great things. And like that's to me, I think something is happening here that we have no control over. I mean, we have no control over anything, but I'm along for the ride. That's why I'm I've decided I've tried to keep in control and playing as from ahead as the favorite to try to stay in control. I'm throwing my hands up and I say, wow. do do what you must. Sure. With me. Right. Hmm. Fantasy. Like ah! sure, I'll be on Football the Bengals. Control me. Control well, me. If, bend me. Shape me. Yeah. If you did, if you must, if you didn't. Um, you know, lose this lock if the Bengals hadn't come from behind, though, we would not have gotten Chris Rose on NFL Network with a pretty cool moment tonight. They're kicking it on third down. He was four for four. Ooh, this one's for Wes. <laughs> awesome. Chris Rose, we got to know Chris uh, this season uh, on Sunday nights, watching Sunday Night Football with him in the big theater. He's a really good guy, and uh, – that was nice. Nice little. And he's a Browns fan, and so I think you like everyone is just no matter who you are, or who you were, or who the Bengals were to you in the past, your heart needs to not even exist. There must be something dark and um, lost inside of you if you can't kind of feel this Bengals team. And I do think it's one of those Super Bowls, and the Rams are cool too. But we're like ninety-five percent of people are going to be like spoiler. We're pretty sure who we're into in this game. Sure. Hear, hearing that was there was something. There's something about hearing that it was kind of like seeing Wes at London that like hit me more than even anything watching at at Keisha's and everything. Something about hearing like on NFL network him saying like this one's for Wes. It's just like it's bigger than just just Wes and the podcast and the Bengals. It's awesome and it all all the messages from everyone today's been awesome. Very yeah. cool. Yes. And uh, uh yeah, so many people feel the same way we do that just something strange is in the air then as difficult as this is um, been without Wes. This has been a nice little thing that we, we've been able to enjoy together. All right, let's take a break and talk about the game that produced the NFC champion and, yes, the Cincinnati Bengals opponent 
in Super Bowl 56. Yeah, the Bengals go to the Super Bowl. Let's take a break. Second and 13, 49ers go empty. Garoppolo looks right, throws Debo, tunnel screen block from Jennings, breaks a tackle. Debo Samuel, 20, 15, 10, 5. Debo diving for the end zone right up there. Touchdown! San Francisco! Calling for the snap, alone in the shotgun. He gets a four-man rush, clean platform. He deals left side. Cooper Cup in the end zone! He's a cheat code! Touchdown, Cooper Cup. Touchdown, L.A. Snapback, hold down. The kick is on the way, and it is right down the middle. Mackey from 30 for a 20 to 17 lead with 146 remaining. Snap back to Garoppolo. Pocket crumbling. He spins out. He's hit. He's wrapped up. He flipped it forward. It's tipped. It's intercepted. It's intercepted. It's intercepted. Aaron Donald got pressure on Garoppolo, and Traven Howard clinches. The NFC Championship game! Hey, how about that? My buddy, my picnic pal, J.B. Long, with the call of his life, KSPN. Also heard Greg Papa at KNBR up in the Bay Area and the Los Angeles Rams down 17-7 in the fourth quarter. The place going nuts. Everybody in red, it felt like. And it seemed like once again that the... Los Angeles Rams and their coach, Sean McVay, were going to get done in by Kyle Shanahan and those Niners who had beat him six times in a row and now had a double-digit fourth-quarter lead. And yet, the Rams get a big touchdown from Cooper Cup, who's been doing it all year, one of the greatest wide receiver seasons of all time. Then they get the big stop on defense. They are able to take control of the game, take the lead, and close it out with, yes, Aaron Donald, and friends getting it done. 20-17, to 17, the final. The Rams are back in the Super Bowl uh, for the second time in, what is it, three years with McVay or four? Four. Four. For the second time in four years. And this one, Mark, had to be so sweet, and you could tell on Sean McVay's face, to not only knock off Kyle Shanahan, not only to get back to the Super Bowl, but all those demons like Jordan Rodriguez talked about uh, with us uh, from The Athletic last week. All those demons exercise in a big spot at SoFi Stadium. Yeah, and it wipes away everything the Niners did to them before. It's like this was the one that mattered. It, it was mattered five times more than those six losses. And you could see the look mm. on Sean McVay's face. I mean, this was pressure. This was pressure on the entire team. And they overcame a lot. They overcame, you know, the Matthew Stafford mistake. They overcame the fact that I thought their defensive line, the strength of the team – did very little for much of this game. Where was Von Miller for so much of it that Aaron Donald's name was called at the most optimal time at the end to cause that interception? I, there's a lot to get into with this game too, but the drive that I, that I felt maybe told me the Niners are slipping away because we know that Jimmy G, he has a journey. I mean, and you, you have to sign up for... Did you say journeyman? Yeah, I think I agree with you. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's just like, I feel like it's weeks in a row <laughs> That's not nice. where you're watching him throw passes that were, um, you know, I want to call them, but desperate, um, bordering on high risk, and he got away with a lot of that stuff. And today, he did not at the end. And I thought for the, finally, they it, finally it, caught him. It, Somebody and took been, the gift. We had been calling for it for weeks, that at some point it's going to haunt them in a way that they're not going to be able to unhaunt themselves. And it happened today. Uh, the, the, the drive, though, for me, 17-17, there's six-plus left. Total melt job by Jimmy G in the offense. They took 23 seconds off the clock. 
when it would have been the patented time for Shanahan to get the ground game going, just to not even give Matthew Stafford and the Rams a chance back in, and they did. I mean, they just they, they let this game away, and the Rams, you know, you get a performance by Odo Beckham. It's like everything, and I know at this point this is not news, but all these moves they made, it was a year ago today that the Stafford trade was announced. To have known back then, a lot of people doubted that deal, that the Rams mortgaged their future, that a year later they'd be here. It's like... And we all we had I, I certainly had fun with it when they had the tweet we're all in after the right. moves that they made right and then they were a little they were a little bit you know on and off for a stretch there during the regular season and it looked like man are they not only going to ne- never have any premium draft picks but they're going to go all in and they're going to fall short and yet here they are another like the Bengals another four seed Greg that got hot found themselves all of a sudden hosting the NFC Championship game and then executing in a way that San Francisco had executed against them and all those prior losses. Yeah, maybe they're better off playing from behind. I mean, 17-7 entering the fourth quarter and you go touchdown, field goal, field goal, and your defensive line and Aaron Donald and and Von Miller and that group that had been quiet throughout the game beasted three straight drives. Yep. So it's like you don't need to we don't need to hear anything about this team's toughness. I, I don't think toughness was ever, the, you know, the right word for it cuz they they also have won, you know, been in some difficult spots this year in in one tight games, not always against the top competition. Uh, but it was 17-7, Stafford gets the ball back and it was just like bet. And it was they went right down the field and it and it was plays to Odell. It was it was third and sixes to to Cup. Really, the whole game, I thought the difference was the quarterbacks. And, and I know Stafford, until the end, his numbers weren't too flashy, and people are going to bring up that Jaquiski-Tart drop interception, and, and we can talk about that. But it's like Stafford played great in this game. And, yeah, he'll give the other team a couple chances, and he'll make a couple mistakes. But the reason they put up 20 in this game was all Stafford. Again, they weren't really running the ball. Again, they didn't really protect. Most of his completions – were excellent throws. Like most of their points came from throws into tight windows. The touchdown to Cup was awesome. The out route to Cup earlier that drive was was amazing. He had another one to Odell. It's just like Jimmy G's not making those throws. Jared Goff's not making those throws. Maybe there's seven or eight guys in the NFL that are making those throws, and Matthew Stafford is one of them. And and I know it's not like a a great home crowd here. It was definitely split. But that drive you mentioned where the 49ers started turtling up, like that was after the Rams just scored 10 straight points, and and the Rams fans were loud when when the 49ers were on offense, and it was vice versa, and, and it felt like that was making an impact, and the, the 49ers were feeling at that point, and certainly Aaron Donald was feeling it. The one thing, I, I mean, it, had they lost the Rams, there would be, it would be a really, really rough couple of weeks for them, because I also found them to be, and they got to clean this up, disorganized, pre-snap, these timeouts they call when, you know, they're, when you're going to try to avoid like a delay of game scenario. It's just like, this should not be happening to this Rams team under Sean McVay. They took a terrible challenge at one point that I don't know who's in Sean McVay's ear. It went south, but it's like, how are those decisions being made? They had no made? timeouts for the last 6.50 on the clock, which right. Terry Bradshaw mentioned. As when the, Terry Bradshaw's asking the, the question. The first, <laughs> the first thing he said to McVay was about the timeouts, and he got the facts wrong. He said, you only had one timeout with seven minutes to go. No, it was even worse than that. They had no timeouts with seven right. minutes to go. And I thought that when he burned his final timeout um, on a challenge of a fumble um, on a play, it was fourth down, and they had their punt team 
on the field, San Francisco. He challenges it, trying to get the ball back in midfield. It was a terrible challenge, like Mark's saying. Was he it got, desperate? Was he just desperately? It, it felt desperation, especially when you realize the payoff is because you're getting the ball back anyway. Like maybe it's like 30 or 40 yards field difference maybe. But the, the, the opportunity cost here is like or you lose the challenge and you have no timeouts and you end up watching Jimmy G kneeling on the football for two minutes to end the game. Like it, it was that much. Now, the thing that I'll, I'll, I'll think about two things. Uh, if I'm a Niners fan and I'm dying. And by the way, we could talk about how the Rams did a nice job, the fans filling that building. We were across the street in the newsroom. After the game was over, I went to the glass and looked out, and it was all 49ers fans uh, just filing out. Now, maybe Rams fans are there watching the ceremony. Yeah, they're watching the ceremony. ceremony. But I'm telling you, Greg, let's not not carry in the water here. Tens of thousands of San Francisco fans were in that building. It sounds like at best it was half and half, but it was probably more 49ers fans, which is wild. So that had to, for all the things that had to feel so good for McVay and the Rams, that was a tough situation, the build-up to this week about how there was going to be all these 49ers fans there. You sent all of them out of your building in a sour mood. Uh, And uh, my other thing I think about is Kyle Shanahan at midfield – he put his offense back on the field after that lost challenge by McVay. And I'm thinking, man, that would have been an incredible kill shot uh, to send McVay into the offseason. If you would have, after he <laughs> blows his last time out on a bad challenge and puts himself in a terrible situation for the rest of the game, if you then would have gave it to Debo Samuel on fourth and two and converted a first down, then we could be talking about a totally different outcome right now. And he didn't do it. He, I thought that was conservative. It was a sloppy game in, in many ways for both teams. So whoever lost is going to go have a lot to think about. And, it, and if you're the Niners, it was a rough one. But to I, Dan's point on that fourth down, it, they hit a, that deep throw to Odell Beckham. Another great throw. Uh, two plays later, they were back at the exact same yard line right. that Kyle Shanahan. And it gets back to what I, I've been talking about on the show. Both of these guys have this weird inherent conservatism streak in them in terms of fourth downs. Even, even McVay kind of played for the field goals on their last two field goal drives, and it, and it worked, and, it, and that's great. But there is something about them that's like inherently Well, they're progressive in terms of their view on offense and scheme, but in terms of like the tactician of like a right. game day, how I handle my team, they are a little conservative, surprisingly. So can we hear the – Sorry for cutting you off there, Mark. Mark no, 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 no. I, I'm going to tee you up on this one, Mark, because oh, – well, let's see what it is. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that's going to stick to uh, Niners fans, of course – uh, Jaquiski Tart, the safety. There is 9.55 to play in the game. And the Niners, I believe at this point, are holding on to a three-point lead. And Stafford drops back to pass and throws a balloon into the middle of the field. I would like to hear the Niners call this because this was another huge uh, moment in the game. Stafford back, gets in as he throws deep downfield for Van Jefferson. And the ball should have been intercepted. It was dropped. Jaquaski Tart had the interception on the 49er 32-yard line, and he dropped the ball. And he is sick. Oh. The ball is underthrown, and Tart flat-out drops it. It couldn't have hit him any better than it did right in the V of wow. the neck. Great call there. Yeah, it was 17-17 at the time. Uh, and after that play, immediately after this drop, it should be Niners' ball with a chance to take back control of the game. He hits Beckham Stafford for 29 yards, and then a penalty on Ward for unnecessary roughness. It becomes a 45-yard play. It leads to what ends up being the deciding points. Mm. Yeah, I, mean, I think if you're a quarterback and you go, you know, Kevin Patra, our friend who wrote up the game, called it a YOLO ball. 
for Stafford. You know, you only live once, which I think we weird um, spot for a YOLO ball yeah, there, I, first I, and ten. No doubt, at your own fifteen. I think we also um, banned the phrase YOLO no, on this, I think on this it's, show. I think so. it's gone. Okay, it but, it was gone from culture. And now you just brought it back in a big spot, so we well, got. Yeah, we got to work back. Well, that. I referenced someone who brought it back. That's that's what I did. Got but it. This is the thing. Like <laughs> I, you know, I know it's like the one the one thing about the NFL right now, like every Jimmy G is getting destroyed on Twitter and all this stuff. Like I, there's just a part of me that's like I feel bad for Jimmy G. Okay, I feel bad for Tart. I mean, who tweeted out after? Bummer. No excuses. I deserve all the criticism my way. The opportunity I dream of, I came up short. Oh. I let my brothers down. I mean, first of all, you're taking accountability, but secondly. I mean, yeah, you, he's going to think about that every moment of every day. Right. It's well, that's one of those. The, well, here's a, yeah. well, that play you mean specifically or the, the whole dropped game? Inter- no, oh, not tart, the whole game. Tart, the tart. Tart's dropped interception. It's like that would have ended this, and we'd be talking about Matthew Stafford's two killer mistakes in this game versus saying Matthew well, Stafford game, played. the game's tied there, right? It's tied, yeah. but that was, that was their ch- – they're never – from that point on, the, their season slipped away because they gave up the drive – and then Garoppolo then takes the hit and throws the ball up for grabs. That, that stuff, it, it, you can always do that, though. Like, Jalen Ramsey had two potential pick sixes in the second half that he dropped, which, like, he would be living with that for the rest of it. Yeah. He's such a competitor. I would imagine it's killing him right now that he did not make the big plays in the big moments uh, when he when he could, but he had his defensive guys uh, around him to step up. I, I really do think that's what makes this Rams team – unique, special, you know, potentially a championship team is, is this defense really is, is great. And I, I know it didn't feel like they were getting after Jimmy G that, that much this game, they stuffed the run. I mean, that, that fourth down that they didn't go for Dan, mm-hmm. it was because Eric Weddle came up on a run blitz fit and stuffed them. And then the next down, it was Gaines and Ashawn Robinson who stuffed them. And you look at Elijah Mitchell on the day, 11 for 20, this dude has been killing everyone all year. This running game is what they're I built got you, on. Greg, but like, give it give De- it to Debo and see what right. happens. But Debo even you know I mean? se- seven for 26. Like well, here's that's- a stat to your point. I, I wrote this down. Uh, San Francisco uh, in their first five playoff games with Kyle Shanahan averaged 177.4 rushing yards per game. That's five yards a carry average. Today, 20 for 50, two and a half yards a carry. Right, and – and like we, I did the Sky Sports hit going into the fourth quarter, and Baldy, Baldy was just talking about this is where like what's happening. Aaron Donald hasn't made a play all game. It's seventeen to seven at that point. Like Aaron Donald needs to be the one who makes the play if he's going to be on the sideline trying to fire everyone up and change. And and he did. He had he had two QB hits in that in that fourth quarter. And it's like, everyone's going to kill Jimmy G for throwing that pass. If he doesn't throw the pass, he's taking the sack and it's fourth and game over fourth and 20. And it, and if the guy doesn't drop it or it hits the ground, it's fourth and 10 and they're going to win the next down anyways. Cause they I were going all over them at that point. And, th- and they, they stepped up. We, we talk about quarterbacks stepping up in the fourth quarter. Like those dudes stepped up in let's, the fourth quarter. Let's hear from Aaron Donald. He, our boy, Steve Weish, uh, interviewing Aaron Donald on the field, and I think Von Miller crashes into the interview. You know that thing. I always wanted to be part of that thing. Right. You win a big game. Well, we kind of did. Uh, with Wes and company, when we won the Shield titles, we were interviewed by Kwong Lem uh, on the desk, and I, I believe Huge there was moment. a moment Huge where moment. maybe Wes was being interviewed, and I just like went over Wes's shoulder. He's like, we did it, man. He's like, oh, man, you're a real star. And he's like, no, you are, bro. I think that moment might have happened. Well, it was, I think that, you know, that was you, you kind of cre- – you, you, you're, you're sort of the person that showed us how to do that, that you did a Thank nice you, job Mark. with that. Thank you, Mark. And, uh, Greg, you got a trophy too when we went back-to-back. 
the I, shield. Oh yeah, I was, I was the I general was, manager. Did we not? Did we not? I was the Odell Beckham. No, they would have had to won a title. <laughs> you know, I was a big free agent signing and big signing. Made, we needed made that. Made sure it didn't get stale in the club. Let's hear uh, Aaron Donald after the game with Steve Weish. What about the way the defense held up? You go into the fourth quarter down 17 to seven, and you shut them out to give your offense enough time to rally. We brought, I brought the guys up. We talked. We got too much on the line to lose. Way too much on the line. Everybody bowled up, guys started flying around. And we flying around and make big plays when we needed to. And also, lastly, the pressure you got on Garoppolo that led to the sack to seal the deal. What about that play? Just, just being relentless. That's what we do. Ain't no way we can do it. Ain't no way. That's amazing passion. I love it. Great job by Weish in a big spot there. And I, there was a great moment in the game. This is 17-7. Donald is one of the great players in the history of the sport. Um, in his prime, he's been to near the mountaintop once. He's been to the Super Bowl. He's been part of some disappointing Rams teams through the years. And you see him pulling those guys together on the sideline and giving them that exact message that he just explained to Weish. Clearly, he's like, guys, we cannot let them move the ball again. We are better than this team. We need to win this game. And literally from that moment when Fox caught that on the sideline, yeah. their defense never gave up another yard in that game. So and they were in, like, that's Donald. That happens sometimes, and you can see these players, you know, with all their bluster, and it's like the other teammates are kind of like, all right, wait, yeah, let's not wait with Aaron Donald. No, because they they were like, there were, it was a moment of total sobriety. They were nodding along with them, and it never it changed them entirely. And the Rams in general have are an advertisement on team building because it's like go get these stars give them a little bit of time they're going to peak at the right moment and you're going to have so many Odell Beckham uh, disgruntled wide receivers and other players midway through mm. next year saying get me out of this trash city and take me <laughs> somewhere special let's talk Odell after the break let's talk Odell because he he really did he profiled as an important guy in this game because the the Rams need that they need that secondary receiver. They lose Tyler Higby to injury earlier in this game. So then Beckham becomes an essential figure. Cup is going to do what Cup does. 11 uh, for 142 and two touchdowns on 14 targets. He Some is, of the biggest third he downs. Is brilliant. He is the MVP. And he, and he had a drop. He even, Those numbers could even be bigger. But he made every other play in this game and is such a money player, one of the best wide receivers in the sport. But Beckham... First 100-yard game since week six of 2019 uh, with the Browns. And we had been waiting for Beckham to have this type of game. He didn't find the end zone, but he was 9 for 113. And every time Stafford looked for him on 11 targets, Beckham was there, ready to play, and made the big plays that, frankly, so, as someone who's been vocally critical of Beckham, and I still hate the way he kind of uh, – got his way out of town in Cleveland, but you have to give it up to him because he's now really proved himself, Mark, a guy that uh, for all the ups and downs of his career, hmm. when the, the spotlight was bright here with L.A., he really has answered the call. Absolutely. Like, I don't like the exit either, but that's secondary and that's in the deep distance at this point to me. It's like he is he was looking out, I think, for how he'd be remembered as a player, and we do think of him differently now. And, I mean, it, it, it took a little bit of time but it was also Matthew Stafford's first season in this offense, too. And I just I, I give the Rams a lot of credit for honestly going for it and it, not in foolhardy fashion. And like the way that it's working for them, it's because someone like Les Snead chose to think totally differently about building a team than other teams do. I mean, Odell has found money. He got his way out of the Browns 
But it's not like they had to trade for him. But they did. Have, they he's, did. They did call him up though and explain how they'd use him. Like it right. wasn't just about money or no, go no, just no. where. He, like they made it clear to him that that was the landing spot, and they were right. Right. And then they, Robert Woods blows his knee out. Right. They they did Major a great moment. did a great job. They did a great job getting him, building a program to get him to the point. But it's sort of been lost in the shuffle. Like he's getting paid, you know, the same as like Will Fuller gets paid for eight games. Like he's just getting a half a season at at four million, four and a half million dollars. I mean, that is incredible. I think that, he got a seven hundred and fifty thousand right, dollars bonus. Now he's for getting, winning. he yeah. keeps getting more bonuses because yeah. they win, and it was tied to winning, which is brilliant too. But it's like every team's got a weakness, and all year it was like, how are the 49ers overcoming these cornerbacks? Like, how are they doing it? Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, D'Amico Ryan's and the pass rush are just overcoming it all. And I think today was a day where, where it hurt them because you just can't cover two guys on the outside. They had to leave Odell Beckham by himself while Cooper Cup was getting doubled inside and Odell beat him over and over. Whereas the Rams' weaknesses, in, in theory, I don't think showed up as much. Some of their linebacker play where they try to get cheap, Troy Reader had a tough day. But, like, they lose their two starting safeties during that 49ers collapse and they bring in Nick Scott and Weddle and those two dudes have been awesome and I think that's I I get on McVay for some of the things he doesn't do as well I I get the feeling like Belichick he is about as good a tactician in terms of like practicing and building up their skill sets and fundamentals and like getting guys into the right positions and knowing the roles and having a vision for those roles and getting his coaching staff to all coach up the way he wants it to because they can lose guys. They have so many like random guys that just most NFL teams don't have at like minimum salaries that just come up and play at a very high level. And like the coach should get a lot of credit. And I thought he did a very Shanahan type thing that I sent a message early. And I love this when they had an 18 play drive that started on their own three yard line, 97 yards, they go over 10 plus minutes. And basically that's exactly what the Niners did out of the gate to LA in that mm. week 10 smashing when, when, when Stafford threw two picks to open the game and everything felt lost for Los Angeles, people came out of that asking about their identity as, as they went into their bye week. And I think Sean McVay was embarrassed by that. And he's in a totally different place now. The Rams had 11 third down conversions. 11 for 18. I mean, that's... And the Niners' the pass rush was working, too. That's quarterback play. I, like, I don't want to hear about the tart thing. And I know Stafford threw behind... Cup and it was a you know bad interception in the end zone early four set. First of all, they you know Squarnick dropped the fifty yard touchdown. Cup dropped a potential touchdown, but th- that eleven for eighteen like that was Stafford and that like there weren't a lot of bubble screens on those. In fact, a lot of the seven third downs they didn't pick up were because Sean McVay was like late in the game like throwing passes that had no chance to go to it and wanted to be conservative like Stafford was money on the money downs he was so good this, that, this playoff run this is interesting that Squarneck was only on the field because the Rams went no huddle after a third down conversion he had come in for Odell to block and then he finds himself all all alone in the end zone. Uh, and that was one of those uh Would drops. have been a great catch, but Oh, that was no, right in his no, hand. No, I mean, he's an NFL player. Actually, what? It was I one of those know. plays watch it again, Mark, because it was like one of those plays where it hits a guy's hands and explodes off his hands like he was a guard. I was like, Oh no. I felt bad for him, but Tough obviously sitch. that was not his moment to shine. Right. It but was Stafford overcame it. He wasn't perfect, Greg, so you can't like no, he, can't overlook saying, it, no, but it he had so that, many his, big His throws. first interception was he was off the mark. I on get that it, throw but too. even the, like the throws to get he wasn't perfect at all, but he was significantly better 
He's been uh, great the whole playoffs. Then, ev- then really every has. quarterback he's gone against, and like, no and, and just the the quality of the throws, I guess you can't underrate because he's doing things that that other guys can't do. Guys other than Odell and and Cup, uh, other than Kendall Blanton, who had a, a great game at at tight end, had nine targets for seven yards. So like. It was all Odell and Cup. Basically. Well, you may have to do it again because you, you don't have Tyler Higby necessarily for this game. We don't know what's going on with the, with his. But I kicker club scenario, I would be concerned with if you're the Rams about Matt Gay. It just does not seem reliable to me on any level I at this point. he missed the net uh, with his first attempt. He did, you know, he to his, even though they weren't difficult kicks per se, hitting those two in the fourth quarter helped put him into the championship game. He's, listen, I feel good about where the power rankings are. Um going into the Super Bowl very clearly. Yeah, the Bengals have the edge there. Not I mean, a lot of mystery a, around that. That's, that's a big edge uh, for Cincinnati. It is great. The Stafford story, is a, it's a great story. Um, knowing everything about him and where he came from Detroit, and now either he's going to win a Super Bowl or the Bengals are going to shock the world and go from last place to Super Bowl champions. I mm. think it, things are really – there are a lot of great storylines. This is a great storyline Super Bowl, which um, is a nice thing for our show. And it's fresh. I mean, this Rams team winning would be fresh. And this has been a long build. I mean, they have they were a top – I think they were third in wins in the NFL since McVay's gotten there behind the Chiefs and the Pats. So it's like they've they've been knocking on the door, and now they're trying to get through, and, and nothing tops the Bengals, though. Come on. You can't. By the way, you can't get Trey Lance in there for one of these short yardage plays. I know this. Oh, is they're like, going to get Trey Lance in yeah, there. I know, but it's like one. September. It, isn't Greg it? Is, Greg, my, Greg is shouting so loud. Why are you that yelling? That my ears, I like literally, Lance, I need to see a doctor. The Lance thing drives me crazy because the last couple of weeks in these games where you score six offensive points last week and this week, you couldn't have used just. Yeah, you but couldn't you have figured out a way to. They know more than we do, Greg. And I'm I don't just talking think about Shanahan the running comfortable. Short Greg, yardage. Short Greg. yardage. It's okay. <laughs> short yardage. I understand what you're saying, but I remember sharing this quote that I I read somewhere that. Shanahan didn't like mixing and matching the QBs. He thought it messed with the flow of the offense. There was something about this. I don't think anybody could have predicted this is how the Niners' first season with the number three overall pick would play out, where he he's in the mix for six or seven weeks. He has a spot injury start, gets hurt himself, disappears, and then is no longer part of the team mostly I don't care about except it. for one more spot I don't care start. about the flow. Like, well, I'm just saying, I think he's probably... You, probably... you probably also don't care that Leonardo DiCaprio was in the crowd, which that was essentially all I was con- focused on for much of the second half. I, oh, yeah. I mean, that was a big moment for you. I think for, I think for anyone with You taste, know, I ran into... We were a little worried that he was not going to do the show because he was just going to leave and stalk Leo. He's like he had never <laughs> been that... He hadn't, didn't, wasn't aware so that close. he was... It did occur to me that, that he was like four, literally four football fields away from my, my desk seat. <laughs> right before we started taping, I ran into Scott Hansen uh, of Red Zone fame. And Scott, he told me a corker, a, a Leo <laughs> DiCaprio story he had. Now, I can't share details of it because I don't want to betray Scott's confidence because I think we might have a growing friendship now. Um, it's it's in play. Yeah, I think uh, if, you're the, if you're the listener, let your imagination soar. It was that juicy of a story. But he told me a winding tale of Hanson and DiCaprio in a big spot and DiCaprio being on the wrong side of history in a big spot. 
Maybe a, Well, he goes there sometimes. If you yeah. see me in well, Los Angeles. He's on the Angeles. right side of history now. Lifelong Rams fan. I mean, he was living and dying uh, with the Van Jefferson drops and everything. He's just like, he's oh, a huge he's not, Van he's Jefferson not, he's fan. Oh, he's not um, technically big enough a football fan for Greg, so he's not allowed in the... <laughs> yeah, he's a huge Rams guy. Yeah. He's a huge Rams guy. If you see me um, in Los Angeles this week, listeners, uh, <laughs> and I'm maybe sitting, I'm saddled up at a bar somewhere, and you want to come up to me and be like, I would like to hear the Scott Hansen story um about leonardo dicaprio i will tell you that story privately well it should make hansen feel very comfortable <laughs> i won't sh- i won't broadcast it but i'll tell it at the tavern okay. well i think we're all we're all breathless at the concept of that so <laughs> all right any other thoughts on the nfc mm. championship game greg this is a moment for you now <laughs> i know you have a lot on your mind there's any other thoughts? We're all, uh, and no, but just to button just up, like football thoughts, not just big the picture thoughts, just to button up the uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. That was in all likelihood his final game with the 49ers. Um, I believe there was a stat entering uh, the game. He was 35 and 15 as a starter entering this game. So we're about to, you know, the rubber's about to meet the road, and you're going to learn more about Garoppolo. I think wherever he ends up next because I don't think that accurately oh. tells you who he is as a quarterback. However, I do think even if his value took a hit during this playoff run, there's going to be a team that looks at that record and looks at um, the success the 49ers had when he was involved and will say he's our QB1. You I just think that's going to happen. You'd have to, like, if you're a front office, also note that he's in – the offense that is going to maximize every quarterback that's ever in it under Shanahan. Like oh, there's a major you know. buyer beware here. I'm right. just saying I think there's a team out there, and it's not a it's not a market flush with options for veteran quarterbacks that's going to identify him. Whether I don't know. Oh yes, name it, Indianapolis. Somewhere. Someone's trading right. for him. Forget like him getting cut on that contract. Someone's looking at that contract and saying yes, please bring him to Carolina or Pittsburgh or New right. Orleans or somewhere. And what and happens it's after happening. that? We'll see, and I have my doubts personally, but I think he is a starting quarterback week one, but it will not be for the 49ers. Now, is it Trey Lance? It has to be, right? It has to be. If it's not Trey it's Lance, what? there's something going on that we have not been privy I to. I don't know if anything has to be with the quarterback market in the NFL at this point. This didn't feel as much like a Jimmy G game, though, like a referendum on that he's not but the three, as, whole three-week stretch. One. I know they right. won the, two of the games. Yeah, but. A, even, a, yeah even, even the even the Week 18 game. And just that everything has to be to the middle of the field. I mean, there's just, like, nothing th- to the outside. I, I, I do feel bad for Nick Bosa and that whole group up front. And that's part of the reason why I'm honking about Stafford so much is they were amazing. Bosa beasted. Armstead beasted. They they had, t- I think, ten quarterback hits. They were all over Stafford, which is which is why I was so impressed. I, he's not going to – this would not be something he would share, Kyle Shanahan. Uh, Kyle Shanahan. But I wonder if he thinks about it. Yeah, we had a ten-point lead in the fourth quarter of the NFC title game. By the way, I think they had a double-digit lead in the Super Bowl as well, and that, that got away. But I wonder – 21-10, fourth quarter. They, he also was the offensive coordinator of the Atlanta Falcons. Not sure if right. you were that. A That's certain a 28-3 uh, scenario. But – I wonder if he would ever think to himself when he puts his head to pillow, man, if I would have put the kid in. I don't know. Did, he, did Trey end? Lance ever seem ready for this? I don't uh, know. This? He like, never really got it, the chance. It's instructed to me that they rode this Jimmy G like 
roller coaster I the agree. way they did. And they, they were about to go to him, though. Remember, remember, he was hurt at the moment that they lost that Colts right. game in the rain, and it felt like that was he he wavered and said, "I'm not sure if Jimmy's going to start next week." But then Trey Lance wasn't even healthy enough to play. It was a it was a weird sliding will, doors moment. There I it think is. What Sli- he, I was like, "Who's going to say yeah. sliding doors? Sliding doors? He, give us a si- sliding door siren, Ricky." Here's the real sliding doors, and yes. I know I'll sound like a homer here. And everything would be different, so who knows. But if you told me that the 49ers would be in the Super Bowl if they had drafted Mac Jones, I would I would buy that. I would buy okay. That. Well, Mac Jones had a, a really and nice rookie season. I think that's who Kyle right. Shanahan wanted initially. Um, I think that's speaking of Mac about. Jones and Patriots homers, yes, Tom Brady may be retired. Uh, we, th- we felt like this show <laughs> was a, a show that should be dedicated to the two game- games that determined uh, the Super Bowl combatants and it turned into the Wrestling Bowl. Um, but yes, Tuesday's episode of the Around the NFL podcast, we will be diving deep on Brady. Hopefully we'll have some resolution on his status, but it certainly feels like now with the reporting uh, that he will be retiring after 22 years. I will owe you guys sandwiches. I'm still surprised and I'm still not totally sold. I know everything is pointing to and Rap Sheet even said Rap Sheet came out and said, oh, FYI, he's still going to retire. He's just and now I'm paraphrasing. He's pissed at Schefter. He doesn't want Adam Schefter on a Saturday morning telling the world that he's quitting the most successful career in the history Darlington. of the sport. You got to put Darlington's name in and there. Jeff Darlington. Yep. Put some respect on his name. Um, but he is going to retire still. He just didn't like the timing. He wants to announce it in his little TB Times uh, newspaper thing that he puts out there. There is occasion. an interesting discussion <laughs> in to podcast. be had about how this whole thing has played out and his his uh, his dad. And his agent pushing back so hard, but we can have that discussion. We will talk about that Tuesday. We'll also talk about how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will have the number one overall pick in the 2023 NFL <laughs> I, I don't know. You know what? If you're a Bucks fan, it was totally worth it. Right. Oh, it, for sure. But right back yeah. into the darkness. But it oh, was a you quick, are it was deep a, in the darkness. It was a quick trip out of the darkness. It doesn't feel I, very long. I wonder, if, I wonder if we see Todd Bowles, you know, head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, or, I read, or do you Byron want that? Lefwich. I don't know if I want that. I read Bruce Arians apparently is telling all his coaching staff, to go ahead and interview and take jobs, even if there's no promotion involved, just go ahead. I like, told you he was not into this. Well, I don't. Th- I now you. I agree with you. All right, you're going to take that credit for this being the right call. Sure, I will take credit for it. <laughs> take takes never expire. We can also talk about, uh, you know, Josh McDaniels is the Raiders coach. How about Brian that's, Dable, that's the weird. Giants? <laughs> that's a lot going is on. this the Tuesday pod? I know. No, we're we're just, just, let's dive in now. You know, we can also talk about. Right, I'm just saying. So we're going to hit all these big league storylines, of course, and then. Uh, we, we do like to do a show during the ramp up to the Super Bowl where we don't use the word or the word Super Bowl. I don't know if that's Tuesday show, uh, but at some point we might want to challenge ourselves. Cause Thursday, we gotta, Thursday, perhaps. I think that's often the time. We have two weeks ramping up to the final game of the season. If you don't count yeah. the Pro Bowl. No, I do personally. I know. That's when you're going to be ponying up at this bar, telling everyone about Scott Hansen's story that was told to you. Belly it up at the bar, spilling house secrets. This is your chance. West, by the way, would not watch a second of any Pro Bowl, so that's what I'm going to do. Not watch a second of it. Sorry, NFL. I know it's you know touted as this high high level event. Greg's not saying a word. He won't speak <laughs> against it. It's, you know, I, it's no, not no, no, no. I, it's I, for kids. I, I was decided about it's for something kids. totally different. It's for kids. Uh, my kids actually are really into the Pro Bowl. Yeah. They look for. They like have been talking about it and looking forward to it, and they think it's a bigger deal than basically every game except. Well, the think Super about Bowl. it. If I don't want to. I liked it when not. I was young too. If you're a kid, the idea is the, every all the best players on every team are now playing in a game against each other. 
cool shit. I mean, it sounds great. I'm except watching that. Every best player giving but 20%. No, Mark, just, oh, okay. Sorry. We get it. We're, we're all on the same page. I will. I will. But the kids don't I'll know that. Li- I'll get in line and start the idea to. Is do, you th- really good. do you think the kids are watching like the blocking schemes and the effort right. of the tackling? Right. Mark, you, you, Mark, you it, could say to your kids, <laughs> this is not a quality product. I'm going to teach you to watch a quality product. But that's. Mark I, is that guy on Twitter, like arguing against no one, like a take, like he's arguing against someone that I, no you one know, disagrees I just, with. You're going to chastise your children for watching poor quality football when they just want to see a lot of great stuff comes out of it too the personalities you get to see like you know when they're throwing i didn't realize i ran rough shot into three company men i don't care it's like i like woman you know please exactly company people company people mark wow be obedient all right all right the pro bowl is a a marvelous product and it will be treated as such on this program mark (laughs) well let's preview it on thursday for 25 minutes then (laughs) Don't, don't. That'd be quick. Yeah, well, that sounds like a dare. Let's do it then, if you guys actually feel this way. We have some time to fill right. now. There aren't many games left. In fact, just the one in two weeks from tonight across I'll the street. I'll have a Wi-Fi issue that day. We'll be, there, right? we'll be there, by the way. We'll be at the Super Bowl. Can't wait. Um, and uh, that is going to be a great week. We're going to be down at the uh, Los Angeles uh, Convention Center downtown. There's a whole like big Ricky. There's a big set set up. iHeartRadio is is putting a bit. You know how you used to go to Radio Row and you'd see like the, the big right. Sirius XM sets or what was the the big NBC sure. set? This iHeart set blows it out. We of want. Water. I want are, are the Jim Rohn allowed set. allowed to walk around? No, there you like have to be credentialed. <laughs> because at old at, at previous they Super Bowls, yeah, the fans were walking. I, think, I think there is. No, you COVID can't come into the. Well, COVID's different, but like you can't come into the row area without a credential. But there is. A part where like, yes, fans they're can roped off, roped off like animals essentially. But they yeah, they were within eyeshot of some of the activity. Within distant eyeshot, yes. In fact, there were a lot of fans watching Wes eat his softball pants that one time. That's true. Oh, there was yeah, there was a horde of individuals. That watching was one that. of our uh, memorable radio row moments. They weren't maybe necessarily podcast. podcast fans. They were just watching the general goings on and were like, "There's a man over there eating here. a giant um, hot dog <laughs> with pieces of pants on it." So. <laughs> You know, that's our podcast in a nutshell. I'll always remember that. Well, Wes, the, the wager was if the Raiders win 10 games. It was the was. Dennis Allen-led Raiders that were a disaster, and he was con- – they, they got out – they won a couple at some point. Wes they, hated that team. Right. Or he didn't think they were any good at all, but they, they had this, this path that actually got them to the number of wins – misremembering maybe a little of this. But it, whatever it was, it screwed Wes. And Wes was so confident that the team would fail – um, that he said, I'll eat my softball pants. I think it was they wouldn't win six because they at some point were right. getting close. It was nothing yeah. great like, yeah. oh, they won 14 games. Right. And uh, he did. We went at the, I think it was the New York Super Bowl, and we found there was a hot dog stand with the largest hot dog in the world. Bought that sucker for 25 bucks, expensed that, nailed it. And then we, <laughs> we cut up the, and there was like, Wes, this is the only thing you need to do, Wes. <laughs> you must bring the softball pants. Make sure that this is pre-Lakeisha. It's like, Wes, the one thing you need to do is when you get on the plane, have the softball pants. Did he? Reminded him 14 times. I forgot my pants. He's like, my pants. <laughs> <laughs> and he had to like run out and buy pants, and it was a whole thing. But he did take a bite of that hot dog with a chopped up. Uh, there was even some zipper in there. Yeah, there was a zipper. Elastic. Yeah. Right on the edge of the hot dog. He ate more of the yeah. pants than he needed to. Right. Well, you <laughs> know, he he was a man of his word. So. Uh, oh. So we're you know thinking about Wes now. We're gonna be thinking about him forever. But now we have uh, his his childhood team, his complicated team, the Bengals, against the Rams, Lakeisha's team. So that is the Super Bowl, and we will be here to take you guys 
to the finish line. Anything else before we say goodbye? Don't open it back up. <laughs> Too late. You I did. Want, I threw it out one last time. You want like a Jawan Jennings breakdown? No, not, what not, is, no. What is it no. you're looking for? No, no. Silence, yep. All right, let's That's go. Good. Let's go. Good stuff. Wow. Bengals, Rams. That's crazy. I got mascara all over my sweater. I'm crying all day. It's so great. Emotions are high. Total chick. <laughs> Till Tuesday. Heed the call.